The following podcast is a part of the Spin Studio Network. Welcome back to Flourish and Fulfilled. Now, I would like to do a trigger warning for today's episode. Throughout this episode, we go deep into domestic violence and abuse. If this episode isn't for you, please skip to next week's episode or listen to previous episodes on another topic. If you wish to talk to somebody, you can call 1-800-RESPECT and they'll be able to provide you with all of the counselling and guidance anytime, any day. In Australia, one woman dies every single week at the hands of her partner. One in three women have experienced physical and sexual violence by a current or previous partner. 61% had children in their care at the time. Three in 10 assault hospitalizations for people aged 15 and over were due to family or domestic violence. In 2016, 71 women died at the hands of their partner in 2016. Three women in Australia are admitted to hospital with traumatic brain injuries every single week. Now, these stats are taken from 2016 to 2017 and 2020 was our worst year in history for domestic violence. I know that this episode will be one of my most impactful and the motto for today's charity is educate, empower and end, an end to domestic violence. For 24 hours from 12 noon to 12 noon on the 20th of August, we will be doing business not as usual. We will instead be directing website traffic directly to Rise Up to help shine a light on this massive issue that is domestic violence within our very own backyards, Australia. If you can even spare $2 towards this amazing charity, it will really, truly, genuinely change lives. I hope that within this episode, we can not only change the stigma of the victims of domestic violence and who they actually are, but provide a little bit of help and light in regards to how we can change the next generation. So with that, I'd like to welcome the founder of Rise Up, Nicole. Now, Rise Up is a charity that not only aims to drive awareness to domestic violence, but supports in emergency relocations, home setups and school supplies. I first came across this foundation about five years ago when I had a lot of furniture um, to donate and they were so amazing. They came with a big truck and picked it all up and I had a massive chat to you guys and <laughs> was able to just connect on so many levels and it blew my mind in regards to the huge work and incredible things that you were doing in the community. Community. And ever since, I always try and support and share wherever yeah. possible. And it's just incredible that you guys are coming up to your sixth birthday. So with that, welcome, Nicole, to ah, Flourish and Fulfilled. Thanks, How are you? Sof. Really good. Thanks for having me. It's nice. actually... Um, it's beautiful, you know, any time that we get a chance to, you know, shine the light on, you know, the issue around domestic and family violence, it's it's excellent. So, yeah, really grateful to be here to join you. Thank you. Now, it's an incredible <laughs> initiative that you are doing. And yeah. to kickstart our episode, I know how the charity started and it's, yeah, you're just in absolutely amazing. Yeah. You, yeah, 
it's incredible. So can you tell us perhaps about the story in regards to the woman and how you started the charity and everything about you? Sure. So I suppose to preface, I um, was born in a country called Zimbabwe. And when I was two, we moved down to Durban in South Africa. And um, my dad had been in the war for 10 years in Zimbabwe. And um, when we were 10, we moved out to Australia And up until that point, I'd always had this really strong pull around any issues around social justice. And for me, it was always racial, you know, it was race related. And, you know, I was only little, but I obviously, and that's the way that I was brought up, you know, really, um, you know, conscious of injustice. So I've always been that annoying person. You know, I've always been like quite outspoken about any type of injustice. Stand up for what you believe in, even if you're standing alone. Totally, totally, you know, like even when people were being bullied at school, I would always be that person like standing beside that person or whatever. And then a few years ago, gosh, it was about nine years ago now, um, I heard news of a woman who had arrived on the Gold Coast at the Gold Coast Hospital and uh, she had a baby. The baby was about eight months old and she had three older children and, and a small backpack. And I was reached out to to say, Nicole, we've we've got this lady and her children and she's she doesn't have anything. She's um, arrived from Perth. Right. And what had actually happened was she was in such a great fear for her life and for the lives of her children that she had actually told the perpetrator and the the person using violence against both herself and her children that she was taking the children to lunch. But she was in so much fear that what she did was she jumped on a train and crossed our beautiful, great country to get to safety. And that's she could How heartbreaking. do like oh it makes me just oh yeah. I can't cope with it and um and because I, I I think like how could she she must have been you know she must have been feeling such great fear to just get up and go like with an eight month old baby you know I'm a mom and I think you know you're and a, a bag mom, and, and a bag and a, <laughs> and a small backpack and three other children and that's all she could take because she couldn't take any more because it would have alerted yep. the perpetrator yeah you know that something was a, a foot and uh, you know that was it and so she got to the Gold Coast went to the Gold Coast Hospital presented and, uh, you know, I was reached out to, uh, Nicole, do you have some staff? And so I reached out to my little community through social media, you know, have you got something? Have you got something? And then by the end of the first week, we'd all but housed her. And then the more that I kind of dug into this space. So for me, this is, I'm driven to the work in this space because it's a social justice issue. It's a massive, massive human rights violation, yeah. you know, deprivation of liberty and there's atrocities happening, right? And, um, you know, the more I started asking questions, I was like, what the hell yeah. is going on yeah. in this beautiful, lucky country, yeah. you know? So my mum and dad have been together, gosh, like 53 years. My um, my hubby and I have been together for 22 years. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we're yeah. just so like, what the hell? Yeah. You know, what's going on? And and my hubby also comes from South Africa. And, um, you know, we know first, we know crime. Yeah. Yeah. We know crime. We know poverty. We know like, you know, all these different things. We know it, mm-hmm. right? But so I think we, we're both continually like, you know, we live in this beautiful country, this we're so privileged. Ha- we're so privileged. Yeah. Like we shouldn't, this should not be happening. And the prevalence of domestic and family violence is enormous. It reaches so many 
you know, families and, and women across the country? We were actually discussing this prior to the interview in regards to the statistics that are out there at the moment. Mm. And the ones that I listed in the intro of this tended mm. to come from the 2016, 2017 years. Mm. Mm. And we know that 2020 was the worst domestic violence in history in Australia. Yeah, especially for Queensland. You know, we we okay. make up the, half the number of homicides happen in Queensland, half the wow. number of national homicides affect, you know, domestic and family violence come from Queensland. Wow. So it, it is enormous, actually, the prevalence and the enormity and the scale, you know. I and think that's only the ones that are reported. 100%. You know, often people will say these stats aren't real. Like, they're not real. You're damn straight they're not real because they're way worse. They're so much worse. <laughs> they're so much worse. So And like one in three women. That's yeah, yeah, huge. Yeah. yeah, it's huge. And the stat that always gets me is obviously – um, you know, police are called out every two minutes across Australia for a domestic and family violence wow. incident. Every two minutes, three Australian women a week uh, are hospitalised with a traumatic brain injury. Now, so if I just, I suppose before we go any further, I, I like to explain how we work and why we use yeah. this gendered language. Yep. Right? Yep. So we talk gendered. Right. And sometimes people will often go, well, what about the men? You know, all of this. And absolutely. Absolutely. You know, we know that um, just as much as uh, there is violence against women perpetrated by men, mm-hmm. okay, men are also affected by domestic and family violence. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we use this gendered language is overarchingly in Australia, both men and women are at the greatest risk of men's violence. Yeah. All right. So that's the overarching issue here in so Australia. I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong on this stat, but I mm. believe it's 98% male. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And the men that are victims, there's a high proportion of men, you know, um, like if you just even think about Luke Batty. Yep. He was a victim of men's violence. You know, he, his life was taken by his father. Mm-hmm. So there are stats, okay? But when we talk through this lens, it's ne- it's definitely not to minimise or to say that they're not victims. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's it's horrid. I think mm. there are there are horrible people on in both genders. I think you you know you can agree to that, right? 100%. Like there's equally horrible women, and yep. it's just overarchingly there is a, a significant. Um, issue with men's violence and the level of violence against women um, by comparison is enormous, right? Yeah. So there's there's death and, and really severe injury, mm. okay, to women. So, you know, um, already this year we have lost 22 women due to violence. It's just huge, isn't it? Yeah, it, it's, it's enormous. And I think, you know, for me, I... Um, Apart from being sort of a social justice warrior, mm-hmm. I am an advocate around driving awareness, you know. So when I started un- un- like folding all these different layers and peeling them all back, I couldn't understand what was happening. And yeah. for me, I really was astonished by there's so much shame. There really, so truly is. And yeah. there's still that massive stigma in regards to the victim themselves, in yeah. regards to them not yeah. wanting to put it out there. 100%, you know. I'll tell you a story. We'll circle back to a Sorry. story. <laughs> but, um, you know, and, you know, so I think for me, like, my biggest thing was, like, we need to talk about this. You know, I often say we need to drag this beast out of the darkness and mm. give it nowhere to hide. Mm. Like, we all need to keep our eyes on this beast, which mm. is domestic and family violence. It's perpetrated. 
survivors who choose to use violence against the most vulnerable in their homes, mm. right? So, um, you know, we need to shift the shame yeah. for victims of domestic and family violence. I remember very early there was um, – I received an email mm-hmm. and uh, – uh, this email came from a friend of mine that I went to school with and here on the Gold Coast. Mm-hmm. And uh, she wrote this email and, um, you know, we were, we moved in different circles at school. Yeah. We know each other, but we were moved in different circles. And then she sort of left and moved to Sydney. Um, she got married and was living this charmed life. So like Paris once a year you know, mm. pre-COVID times. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a property in Bowral. Mm-hmm. The children are horse riders. Mm-hmm. Do you know there's horses? You imagine, right? Like yep. it's this charmed life. So one day I opened up my email and there's this email from her, right? And she was talking about the work that we do and the impact and her shared a bit of her story. Yeah. I get to the end of the email and I see it's from her. Okay. Yeah, right. So I private messaged her through social media and I said, oh, so-and-so, I am um, just received your email. I'll send one. You know, I've just yep. responded. And she came back to me and she said, Nicole, I'm so embarrassed. I didn't realise that you were the Nicole from yeah. Rise Up. Wow. Yeah? And at that point I felt like... She was this beautiful girl, Sophie, at school, right? So she was the girl that all the boys loved Mm -hmm. and all the girls, we wanted to be just like her, right? She was just that girl. And for me, I felt like the only person that should be embarrassed is the person using violence against you, beautiful girl. Mm. You know, how dare you Mm. perpetrate violence and... um, you know, and her shame and her embarrassment, it just broke me, you know. Yeah, it's its the real stigma that is surrounding it in regards mm. to, I feel like a lot of people believe that it only happens in lowest um, social circles. Uneducated. Yeah. Absolutely, right? So mm. I've got this real passion for this sort of space around driving, like challenging the face of domestic and family violence. Who is that? person you know like who who is this and you know the one thing I remember going to a refuge and uh, here on the Gold Coast and and I have to say so like even now like I'm so well known within the space like Mm -hmm. I'm a big advocate I do a Mm. lot of public speaking and do a lot of this and work really closely with the services but there are refuges out there that I don't even know where they are and they won't even let me there. Yeah. And that's me. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So that's like in terms of they trust me, like they know me, they trust me, but yep. I'm still not allowed anywhere near it, right, because of that, the level of risk and everything, is, you know, associated with this. Yeah. And um, this one refuge that I went out to, gosh, we had to get a permission right from the top and, you know, to let me go out there and, um, and there were all the families there and... And I said to the refuge worker, like, what is the thing, you know? Like, what is the main thing that everyone has in common here? Like, mm-hmm. is there something? And she was like, it's literally the United Colours of Benetton. Like, yeah. There was every race, 
every, you know, every kind of person that was the, and the one thing that they had in common was the domestic violence, the domestic and family violence. And doesn't discriminate. It totally doesn't discriminate. So, so with yeah. all of that, yeah. what does Rise Up do? What is it? What do you do as a charity? Yeah. So we're um, practical advocates, I guess, you mm-hmm. know, like I'm such a practical person and I think it's such a no brainer when you unpack what we do. Mm-hmm. Like what we do is we are an ad value mm-hmm. for the frontline services. Okay. Mm-hmm. So we don't actually work directly with the families at all. It's yep. good old-fashioned altruism. You know, I think for me, the the last thing that anyone needs is to bump into me, bump into you, so if bump into one of my volunteers in the veggie aisle six months down yeah. and you've created Bring it all home, up again. Oh, and there they see you yep. and, you know, it's at the toughest time. We're coming in at the toughest, pointiest, sharpest time mm. in their lives. And I think there's a real power in this altruistic, like we go in, it's actually the community saying, we see you, we believe you, we we understand this is a really shitty and tough time for you yeah. in your life and in the lives of your children. And we commend you. Mm. We commend you because this decision was nuts, mm. right? Mm. So what we do is um, when families come into refuge, so a refuge is a place just for your listeners if they've yeah. not ever, yeah. you know, heard what this might be. Break it down yeah, for the people that have down. never heard anything yeah. to do with domestic yeah, yeah. violence. So a ref- So say, for example, you're in need and you're mm-hmm. in crisis and you need help, okay? You would ring your, in Queensland, it's DV Connect. Yep. All right. Or 1-800-RESPECT. 1-800 is the national helpline, yep. okay? And then under that sits all the peak lines like mm-hmm. DV Connect in Queensland. Queensland and DV Victoria. So then yep. those are those lines, okay? Yep. Or you ring the police, mm-hmm. okay? So say, for example, DV Connect, uh, receive your call. What happens next is they will ascertain their primary goal is to get you to safety. Yeah. That's what they do, okay? You might be out west with two camels, four dogs and five <laughs> children. They're going to get you into safety, mm-hmm. okay? That's their goal. So what they will then do is they will organise to get you to safety. It might look like a motel trip, Mm -hmm. okay? It might be where some of the families are, you know, during COVID they were in in, uh, staying in motels for up to three weeks, so. Wow. Yeah. So you have definitely seen a spike during COVID. Oh, 100%. So we had a – so we didn't stop during COVID. You know, Mm -hmm. we had to – you know, reassess our service delivery. And uh, we had a spike of about 28% from frontline services, right? So what happens is um, they will then get the family to safety. Mm -hmm. The goal is to get them into a a refuge, Mm -hmm. right? Now, a refuge is a place of safety. It's a place that's off the grid. You can't access it. You can't drop your clothes off as it should be, right? I, I would know that if I'm in dire... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, need and you don't want to be found. I don't want to be found, yep. right? So what happens is, you, the, if the families will go in there for a, a sort of up to about twelve weeks, mm-hmm. once they are in refuge, the refuge does a whole lot of things to help. Right? They not only are they there to keep them safe, they're there to wrap around this family. Mm-hmm. They help them with immediately with counselling support. Mm-hmm. They help them with medical support. Mm-hmm. You know, they they start documenting. Um, you know, they, they'll get the families to, uh, you know, x-rays and things like that where they start building up a portfolio for court. Yeah. Okay. They start documenting existing and pre-existing injuries. Um, the other job that they will be doing, one of the many things that they do, they're amazing. Frontline services are, you know, I, I'm just, I feel really blessed to have, you know, 
have access to some of these incredible humans, mm-hmm. um, but they also source housing, you know, so they'll source independent living opportunities, okay? Mm-hmm. So that domestic and family violence falls within homelessness, mm-hmm. right? So what happens there is the families will go to the top of the list mm-hmm. and then when houses come up, mm-hmm. that's what happens, right? Now, on the Gold Coast, for example, just to give you an idea, mm-hmm. all right, uh, at any one time, we have about 18 women sitting in motels right around us here waiting for a place in refuge. There are 62 refuges in Queensland. It's not enough, so It is, it is so insane. Yeah, and then we've got these families sitting in motels with extraordinarily high levels of post-traumatic stress, yeah. huge trauma behaviours. Right? It's nuts. Essentially mm. homeless. You know, children have been, you know, pulled out of their environment, not even a chance to really say goodbye to their animals, mm. their friends, their their granny and granddad. Mm. And and a, a lot of the time, the, the, the families that are relocated in an emergency like that, they've become really isolated as well from yeah. friends and family because of the perpetrators' behaviours. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're sitting there until they can get into refuge. Once housing is allocated, okay, because there's such a high demand, Soph, you know, for refuge. When one woman exits refuge, another woman and her children are going to come, come in. in yep. Okay. Now there's not a lot of staff. Mm-hmm. So what happens is the refuge will then really focus on this family in high crisis that's come in from motels. Okay. Mm-hmm. This family is going out into independent living mm-hmm. with very little. Mm-hmm. All right. Very little. So some of the properties that we've seen are cement floors. Mm-hmm. Right, community housing homes, mm. uh, no window furnishings, right? And it's quite shocking, So, Like when you think about like us living in Australia, this mm. beautiful country, and remember these are women, mm. like you or I. Mm-hmm. These are women that, um, you know, the children might have gone to private schools. Mm. You know, it's all sorts of women. We've got to remember yeah. this, okay? So what's happening is for so many women, they go out, they're in areas that they don't know, mm-hmm because they've not been relocated down the road. Mm-hmm. They've been re- relocated to completely different areas, babe. Yeah. You know, they might be, you know, being relocated from the Gold Coast up to Townsville or yeah. Sunshine Coast or whatever really needs to be around harm, mm-hmm. whether they're in harm's way. Yeah. So a lot of families end up going back to the place of violence and to mm. the perpetrator because of lack of resources, right? Yeah. It's too hard. Imagine us, like when we've left home. I can't even imagine it. And I know yeah. that I um I personally follow your Facebook page. Like yeah. I have notifications turned on because Thank it's you. that um, massive to me yeah. to see. But when you post the photos of the work that Rise Up do, it is huge. Yeah, it's huge. So essentially you go into the houses that they've been allocated yeah. and furnish them. Within four hours, so Huge. Yeah. With about five volunteers, between four and five hours. And how many yeah. houses have you set up to date? Oh, my goodness, almost 1,500. So that's – and that's for supporting 1,500 families, so Like that's families. Yeah, it's huge. Know? It's yeah, massive, it's massive numbers and that's in six years. Yeah, it's nuts. It's like a um, logistics beast. You know, yeah, it's so inc- on the it's top incredible. We look all graceful, but underneath it's a bit crazy. <laughs> Scattered, <laughs> it's crazy. And yeah. I'll I'll quickly just put this in here, but yeah. I'll do this throughout the whole episode. Yeah. Is that I know that the drive and campaign that you currently have going is just two dollars a week. Yeah, just two, and it makes a week. such a massive difference. Yeah, and you know the reason why we've got that, Soph, is that we um, we're not funded. Okay, so mm-hmm. we're not uh, we're not uh, government funded, mm-hmm. and the reason for that is. 
I'm sales and marketing old mate. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I love that though. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm not a social worker. I don't work directly, uh, you know, with victim survivors of domestic and family violence. None of my team do. We are, you know, the painter, the CEO, the hairdresser, the, do you know what I mean? This mm-hmm. is not our lane. You know, my team always laughs about me because I'll always be like, is that your lane? Are you swimming in your lane? Because we yeah. need to swim in our lane, right? So we're this sort of collective response in this really practical logistics um, space. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, often I'm, you know, my team are always like, oh, it'd be great if we had ongoing funding and we could have a storage facility. You know, we work out of 33 storage units, so yeah. nine shipping containers. That's just Southeast Queensland. It's bloody yeah. so. So my hubby's Tetris champion, 2021. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just, you know, one, and I often say, look at what we're achieving right now. Imagine one day when we do have centralized facilities everywhere. Yeah. Um, but the fact that we're not funded, you know, we're not, we don't have a product to sell, right? So $2 a week, our, our goal is change 5,000. So if we had 5,000 people each donating $2 a week, it's less than a cup of tea, cup of coffee, isn't it? I was talking to my team about this last week because during our bushfire crisis, mm. we managed in my community to raise, yeah, I know, yeah. $6 million. Yeah, I know. And that was just my community alone through a GoFundMe page. So I'm really hoping that the listeners are able to back this because I just know how massive it is. And that's why I continue to repeat all of the stats throughout this because it's not just something that's happening behind closed doors. It's a huge, huge issue. It is the bushfires every single day of these li- of their lives. Yeah. Okay. It's the bushfire <laughs> tragedy every single day of their lives, you know, because there's no end to it. They, this is it. This is what they're living in this constant state of crisis and we don't, we're not looking at them, mm. you know. Why do you believe we have such a massive domestic violence issue in Australia? Yeah. So it's a really good question that, Soph. I think um, we live in a very patriarchal society, okay. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that we talk about why we talk through this gendered lens Mm -hmm. because it's really important for us to understand what the drivers to violence are Mm. and the biggest driver to violence against women is gender inequality yeah the power as well yeah so when we're talking about um you know in australia you probably know this, but this is so shocking to me. There is still a 14% pay gap. Yeah. Don't get me started. Little Miss Feminist over here. (laughs) It's just like, that just drives me nuts that we live in this country where, you know, childcare is so extraordinarily high that women are are forced to stay at home, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's too expensive. Mm -hmm. Um, If you go on to um, our watch, Right. Okay. This is Australia's. Uh, it's an, an Australian platform. Gee, they do amazing work. So if you must okay. have a look at them. I will. I've never heard of that. Yeah, they've actually got a. Um, they've got a um, like a media piece in there, which is called "Change the Story." Okay. So it might be good for you to share it. Yeah, I will put it into the show notes. I'd love to. Yeah, love yeah. to go into that. It unpacks the gender equality and the the connection to violence against women. Okay. It's, it's not, it's Change the Story. That's what it's called, Change the Story. It's incredible. So it talks through all of this. It talks mm-hmm. about how when we're, you know, bringing up our children, you know, um, we're what behaviours are we allowing, mm-hmm. you know, the, the gender stereotyping of, of children. I've heard you mention this in another episode in regards to the language we use and the jokes that we laugh at. Every single one of us contributing to this daily with the words and things that we say as well. 100% right. So it's quite interesting. um, I'm a big believer in uh, 
when you commit to something, we mm-hmm. need to commit. Yeah. And as a community, if we want to see an end to domestic and family violence, if we want to see a change and a shift in this culture that allows domestic and family violence to thrive, mm. we need to lean in, Soph. Yeah. We need to lean in with our entire being, mm. okay, to understand what the drivers are, understand mm. what part and what role we all play. Mm. Um, you know, I often say this. I had a conversation with my 17-year-old daughter. I've got two girls and, um, you know, she's very gets very fired up about, um, you know, Black Lives Matter and that's her, like, she gets, you know, chip off the old block. <laughs> and, um, you know, during COVID they had the, the marches in Brisbane and she wanted to go, right? And I said, you know, boo, like, I don't want you going, you know, during COVID, I'm, mm-hmm. you know, not into it. And, and I said to her that... It's great to have marches. It's important, Mm -hmm. you know. I like it. I said, but we need to march every single day of our lives with Mm. through our from our bedrooms, from our kitchens, from our lounge rooms, with our language at the shopping centre. We march, so Mm -hmm. we march, right? Mm. So when when we talk about marching, it's about that. It's about the language being really clear around the language we use, you know. So understanding why we are, we're very, very, we need to be really conscientious about this, um, you know, just the language, right? So because it reinforces gender stereotypes and elevates the gen- one gender over another. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it's funny, my team, you know, I'm, I'm all in it around this language that we use, you know, so, and they're always like, oh, it's just so much, you know. <laughs> Nicole, it's so much. It's so good though. Have you studied NLP by any chance? No. I listened to listened to you talk, and I was like, I swear she must be NLP qualified because <laughs> it's. I, that was my take home message. I was like, yeah, she must have done no, NLP. I'm gonna Google. You should. You should definitely do it. You'll love it. I promise. Everything that you've said will go down great. Yeah. What has been your most rewarding moment to date? Oh gosh. I don't know, so if I, I struggle with these sorts of questions, you know, I feel very much about we don't sit in it a lot, you know. I feel this is such a dynamic beast that we're being faced with every single day. Uh, you know, I'll tell you a story. Not so long ago, we um, I trekked the Larapinta. I don't know if you saw any of that. So there's this, you know, the Larapinta mm. Trail, which is Alice Springs. It's this beautiful part of the world, so sacred. Mm. And um, uh, my events manager said to me, oh, Nicole, let's, you know, I think we should do it. I think we should go. And I don't give too much thought about things. Mm -hmm. I'm just a a step forward and go, you know, I'll go and then I'll think about it the day before and I'm flying landing into Alice Springs. I should have trekked. I should have been training. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, you know, in the lead up, I felt like, you know, this is seven days off the grid. There's no internet, there's nothing. And, and I don't really get a lot of time to just like chill. (laughs) I don't like my, it's so full on. Yeah. So I thought to myself, like, I wanted to use this seven days to sit in the achievement of what we've done, yeah. and to to walk to honour the women that we've helped and their yeah. children. I get, I feel, get emotional. Yeah. But also for the women and children that we are yet to help. I wanted to walk for who we've helped mm-hmm. and walk for who we are yet to help. That's kind of what I wanted to do and really connect to the sacred land and just have that time to sit in it, you know. And um, I went to the dentist. This is such a long-winded story anyway. That's great. Um, <laughs> I went to the dentist and I – it was just before and I was getting some twinges and I was like, oh, I think I'm grinding my teeth, mm-hmm. you know. Stress, it's just stress. Yeah. And, and um, 
and I was telling this dentist about, you know, da, 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 and what I'm going to do and I'm so excited about this and da, da, da. And he just said to me, I think that you need to walk a little for yourself. Yeah. I just burst into tears. The dentist was probably like, what the hell? <laughs> oh. Because it's like that we don't have a lot of time for that. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like we're Well, it doesn't stop. And especially with no. these stats of women coming in, it's yeah. something that's there's no there's no annual leave break from it. No, and I think it's it's so insistent. You know, my husband and I closed our business down about four years ago. Yeah, you know, I was okay. doing this little thing, started in the garage with a yeah. few things. And then, you know, and my hubby was travelling around Australia and running a big business. And we just got to the point where we decided, like, he could just see my intensity increasing yeah. <laughs> and my commitment and everything. And it was just we had two younger children and... Um, yeah, so we decided to close it down and Gareth's done enormous work. He's amazing, you mm-hmm. know. He's one of the biggest feminists I know. He's just such a great human. And I don't think I could – I don't think that I could do this work without him by my side, yeah. right? And he's always like he just wants me to just achieve my goals and he's there to support me. Like he's super confident and, you know, I love that. Yeah. And – um you know, we often say that we can't unknow what we now know, So, Oh, 100%. Yeah? Yeah. We're done. Like sometimes I wake up and I'm like, who the hell decided to run a not-for-profit? Yeah. But, um, you know. As a follower of the charity, I often see um, the articles that you share on your Facebook page. Now, yeah. I think you're more active on Facebook than Instagram, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. However, a lot of the articles that you share, you've actually reshared and reworded the article to be factually correct. Now, one example that I'd really like to go into here is the example of the dad who tragically took his wife's life, leaving his son without a mum. And the article read that the headline was doting dad leaves son without a mum. However, it was based on the fact that this man had taken this woman's life and they had said that he was a doting dad because he had attended soccer. And it's such a massive thing that we see so often in the media that the articles are almost encouraging clickbait, even when it's not correct. Mm. Why do the media do this? Why aren't they more supportive of this huge issue? Look, I think they are. And I think what happens a lot of the time is, you know, because I do a lot of work with journalists and whatnot, we, mm-hmm. you know, there's huge uh, media training and whatnot through resources online. And, you know, in the discussions that I have with uh, journalists, we talk about this all the time, the mm-hmm. importance of holding, keeping eyes on perpetrators. What happens a lot of the time is the, the headlines are edited, mm. you know, so the journalists will submit the article and then the, uh, the headlines are created or edited. I know this, yeah. featuring on Daily Mail often. Yeah. <laughs> I see this. <laughs> oh I'm like, that is not what I said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fools. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and I just think, you know, I, what we all have to do as a as community, there are so many things, Soph, that we can't control. Yeah. We can't control the behaviour of perpetrators. Mm. Can't control courts and out court outcomes. We can't control the decisions of judges. You know, we can't control the the editors who are editing headlines. You know what we can control? We can control how we respond. 
Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk about it. In that. regards to judges, yeah. so we've seen that it's not working. Our system is not working. Repeatedly we've seen women be killed over and over and over mm. again. Mm. Why are the laws not changing? What What is happening? Oh, and there's so much behind the laws, you know. It, it drives us crazy. It I can, I can only crazy. imagine how and much. We actually have just created um, the Law Hub because we're really just trying to get like-minded solicitors. We're losing very easy cases every single day. Easy, easy cases because there's a, you know, they're not being represented sufficiently. Um, you know, it's horrifying some of the stories that we hear. The the other thing is that victims are having to stand in court against their yeah, yeah against their perpetrators. Yeah. So yeah. therefore, they end up pulling out because oh, they don't want to go ahead with it. One hundred percent. Yeah. You know, we've we have had you know, there's so many things that we've you know sort of done over the years, and and uh, you know, um, you know, the Hague Treaty. You know, do you know no. the Hague Treaty? No. So it's an international treaty which stops people from stealing children from an, from across the country. Yes, okay. okay taking yep. them out to another country, all yep. right? So this happens a lot within the domestic and family violence space mm. because the, the family court and the normal court mm. don't run together. They mm. run parallel, okay. all right? So we had a situation where there was a DVO in place um, against the offender by the mother and it was held out against the perpetrator for her children as well. So mm-hmm. the children also had a DVO out again. So the perpetrator couldn't see them for five years. Yeah. All right. Mum picked up the kids, fled to New Zealand, which was her hometown, mm-hmm. her home country. Mm-hmm. Right. The offender brought the mum and the children back to Queensland under the Hague Treaty, even though he wasn't allowed to see them for five years. That oh. was still successful. And it's still that power over her. Yeah. So, oh, it's it's systems abuse, right? So yeah. domestic and family violence is this continuum. It's a web of entrapment. That is what domestic, it's, it's a, you know, it's a full web of entrapment in all different levels, okay? So there's sexual violence, family violence. You know, oftentimes uh, we will, you know, come across families where there's, you know, nine children, you know. There's, there's so much we can talk about, so. But, um, you know, lots of children and oftentimes as a society, we can go, ah, she needs to stop having babies. You know what I mean? One of the biggest things is reproductive violence Mm. where offenders are keeping women pregnant. Okay, it's a big, big tactic of control. And um, so I guess, you know, there's so many different things. So, but just going back to, we can sit in the comfort of our couch Mm -hmm. and get really frustrated, Mm -hmm. all right? And cross Mm -hmm. and mad, right? You know, we can get sad, we can cry, Okay, but those tears, they're not going to they're not going to enact change. So, right. All we can do confidently is what we can control. Are we holding our friends and family accountable for attitudes and behaviours? Huge one, especially my listeners being aged between 18 to 30. 100 percent. Massive. Yeah. Right. So are we leaning in and challenging the funny and that sexist joke? Mm -hmm. And I think the, the, the thing that we have to keep in mind is about respect. Yeah, we can because that's what we all want to live in. We want to mm. re- we want to live in a respectful community, right? Mm-hmm. So it, we always need to um, exhibit the behaviour that we're trying to create in this society, right? So everything yeah. is re- needs to be respectful, mm-hmm. and more often than not, people will be um, taken back when you're respectfully asking them to explain the the, the sexist joke, like yeah. how please explain to me why that's funny, you yeah. know, da, da, da. and men holding men accountable, mm. big one. Big one, mm. right? Because as much as we as women can be on and on and on about this and talk about gender equality, it's actually what's going to be happening is men holding men accountable. A hundred percent. So 
So if there's listeners at home that are wanting to perhaps leave a situation that they're currently in, do you have a safety plan suggestion or if they can't find the courage to leave, is there something that you would suggest? 100%. Two things there, Mm -hmm. Soph. The first thing that I like to say is what's happening for you doesn't define you. Mm -hmm. It doesn't define how your story ends. You know, this is one chapter in your book Mm -hmm. and it doesn't define anything that you've done in your life. Mm -hmm. All right. And it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very, very important. The second thing is there are really incredible services out there that mm-hmm. walk alongside you mm-hmm. to get you to safety, all right? This is, these are very dangerous situations. So mm-hmm. what's really important is to um, trust in the services, mm-hmm. okay? And there are so many, mm-hmm. right? So many services, 1-800-RESPECT. If your listeners are friends and family of someone who's going through it, mm. okay, the same thing. Click on to 1-800-RESPECT. There is counselling in every area across this great land, um, getting support, and they'll tee you up with local supports, okay? Um, The second thing is if you are that friend or family, you know, I hear so many times, you know, friends who have gone, ah, she keeps talking to me about her situation and I keep telling her what to do and what she needs to do and she's mm. not listening. Mm. So I'm not going to help anymore and I'm going to like leave it. I'm yeah. not going to answer a call anymore. You know, I'm finished. I'm fed up. Okay. First thing is what's the, what are we doing there? We're buying straight into the behaviour, what the wishes of the perpetrator are to isolate her. So mm. he'd be like, sweet, right? Mm. She's disconnecting from her friends. It's not our place to replicate the behaviour of the perpetrator. So as much yeah. as we are nurturers and we want to get her to safety because mm-hmm. that's what, we're, what we do, mm-hmm. right? We want to get her to safety. We're going to go home, pack your bag, let's get you out of there. Mm-hmm. It's not our decision. Yeah. Yeah? And a woman knows how to keep herself safe. She mm-hmm. does. And she needs to make the decision when she's good and ready. Yeah. Right? And we need to walk alongside her. Yeah. Yeah. So no, that's a really big piece. Mm -hmm. So that's a very big piece. It's a good take home. I believe you. I believe what's happening, what's going on for you must be really hard. There's services available and no matter what decision you choose to make, I'll be here. I am here for you. Yeah. 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 You just let me know when you're ready, how you want help, blah, 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 blah. So never turn your back on a friend who is perhaps in that situation. Never. Mm. And just remember that you're not the services. Yeah. It's not your role, right? It's not your role. You're just there to believe her. And something really important is, and what's terrifying, is that how you respond is what will determines what happens next. So for many people who reach out and disclose, you might be the very first person that they've disclosed. And if you don't believe her or she thinks that you you don't not taking it seriously. Such a big one in regards to that, isn't it? Because most people feel that they're not going to be believed, heard or understood or it'll be their fault because usually with a perpetrator it's that it's your fault and it's that manipulation on it, isn't it? Totally, totally. So with Rise Up as a whole, other than the $2 a week donation or more if you can, what other donations do you accept? I know that there's, because I tried to do this, there's no electricals. Yes. So um, that's why the donations are so important as well in regards to being able to buy things new. Do you still accept donations of furniture and stuff? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. What are your like biggest things you need? Oh, biggest thing, crikey, food. Yep. Yeah, because uh, we put in full pantry packs, food, new pillows. Mm-hmm. You know, you can get two for $5 from Kmart. Um, you know, and that's just a dignity thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's all about, you know, sometimes people will come to me or come to the team and go, oh, this is something's better than nothing and mm-hmm. there's like a stained mattress. And I'm like, no, I would rather nothing than that. Nothing, yeah. <laughs> because what are we saying? We, yeah. We're reinforcing this. this 
messages of the you know this is crap you're crap mm -hmm. there we go yeah yeah so it's about reinstating her dignity mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah all sorts of things so if, honestly couches you know we don't go off gum tree or anything like that because mm -hmm. really what we're wanting you to do is connect with the cause connect with the issue mm -hmm. you know you won't meet the family but what's beautiful is going onto facebook and seeing there's it's the couch so that you've beautiful. donated it is <laughs> so it beautiful is. Yeah. yeah it's nuts isn't it it's just so practical and it's a no-brainer you know some of the, the feedback that we get from these families it's it's nuts you need to come and do a home yeah I can't wait yeah. I would love to do that <laughs> it's honestly I think to go in and furnish a space and know that there's a little girl coming in from refuge that very night and you've just made the bed for her mm. you, it's nuts uh, yeah you know it's nuts um yeah. okay so as I mentioned at the start of this episode we're going to be doing this 24-hour uh, business not as usual and we're going to be donating all money towards Rise Up Amazing. Foundation. Sophie, but if people you. know it's the least that we can do, if people do want to get involved, it's yeah. Rise Up with a Z. Yes, absolutely. Yep. .com .au. Yeah, very easy to volunteer. Right. Yep. So jump on board where, you know, we're always, no matter what you do, it's when you can do it, however you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's really a community of people, like-minded people. You know, even if you don't have a lot of time, what happens is once you're on boarded, you become part of the Rise Up Volunteer community. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that we can't take to social media because of the sensitivity yep. and it's they might be easily identifiable, mm -hmm. the cases. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to activate really quickly to, to help. Yep. So the more people that can jump on as volunteers, volunteers and you can activate, you know, quietly amongst your own friends and family. Mm -hmm. So this movement of just, you know, people that really care about creating new beginnings, Sophie, you yeah. know, and uh, we actually, this is what we can control. Yeah. yeah. We can use all that pent up anger mm -hmm. and the injustice that we're seeing and we can just be moving, you know, towards greater outcomes for these families who need it right now. They need it yesterday. Yeah. So amazing. Thank you so much and thank you for joining us oh, today. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Pleasure, pleasure, pleasure to be here. So every week we do a bookworm book of the week and I know that I've done this book previously but I feel like it just ties into today's episode and perhaps listeners may not have heard this book previously in another episode. So the book is Why Does He Do That by Lundy Bancroft. I promise this will be the last time that I suggest reading it but if this episode resonated with you, definitely give this a read. Now if you do want to get involved in the podcast, you can call in and leave any questions or um, suggestions for episodes. The number for that is 0756496851. And if you'd like to continue the conversation over on our Facebook and Instagram, it is simply Flourish and Fulfilled. Now, until next time, have a good week.